This morning, we're going to be having a look at life, new life. Assuming this week you've seen something of who God is, it's probably changed something in your thinking. Phoebe was saying, who's thought about something new? And loads of you said, yeah, do you know what? Something has changed in my mind. And actually, as we do that, what that then translates into is actually changes in our life as well. So as we think this morning about everything that you've seen this week, thought about this week, heard about this week, seen in other people maybe this week, what is that going to mean for you? So when you go home from New Day, when you get on that coach tomorrow, you go home and your parents say, how was your week? And you go, yeah, it was all right, thanks, yeah, nice one. Because they love that kind of feedback. What is it going to mean from there? What does the rest of your life look like? And that can, be feeling, that can feel like quite a big question on a Saturday morning when it's hot and stuff in, there's bubbles floating around. But can I encourage you to engage with this? Really think about this question. I also want to just let you know, at the end, yesterday, we, we gave an opportunity for you guys to respond and to say, yeah, I want, to, I want to go for Jesus. I want to believe in him. I'm going to give you that same chance today in a different way. Because I know that if it was me, I would have found that probably quite hard to stand up in front of a room of a thousand people. But if I was sat with my group leader, who I've been working with all week, who I've grown to trust, who I've grown to actually think, yeah, these, these guys have got something that maybe I don't already have. Or maybe it's something that I thought I was going to get when I became a Christian, but that's not seemed to be how it's worked out for me so far. We're going to have an opportunity to respond, to just talk in your groups, to say, actually, yeah, I think this week I have come to a point where I want to just nail my colors to the mast, and I want to say, I am a Christian, where maybe I wasn't before, but I am now. Okay, so there's going to be no big appeal from the front. There's not going to be no standing up or anything like that. You're just going to talk in your groups, okay? Because I want to enable you guys to be served really, really well. So we're going to watch the video. We're going to think about these questions. And then I'll get up a little bit later to explain how we're going to do some of those things as well. Watch the screens. The author D.H. Lawrence wrote, If only we could live two lives, the first in which to make one's mistakes and the second in which to profit by them. But in reality, there are no dress rehearsals for life. We've only got one shot at it. But imagine like, if we could go back in time like to talk to your past self. Like, that'd be awesome. That'd be the best. Hey, guys. Ben. What's up? Future Ben? That's right. You look good. You do too, man. Thank you. And the hair. You like it? Ha- flawless. Hey, wait. Hey, where's future Jay? Oh, I'm so sorry. He's gone. To the cafeteria to get some snacks. Sorry I'm late, guys. Future Jay, what are you eating? Chocolate. I love chocolate. I know, I'm top. Don't date anybody crazy. Don't date that girl you did in uh, secondary school. If I could go back in time, I would say, don't wear that. Girl, don't wear fishnet arm warmers. I would go back in time to college, but I wouldn't change anything. I just want to relive that time again because it was like the funniest moment of my life. I wouldn't have taken part in that sports race, the parents' day race. (laughs) And I wouldn't have dropped and embarrassed myself. There you go. I'd probably say spend less money on food. Eat anything you want. Don't care what anybody thinks. I I was quite a moody child. So we're always going off in temper tantrums. So uh, just just be a bit more chilled out. Listen to what your mom tells you. I was watching Netflix till 4 a.m. yesterday night, and I ordered Mac delivery. I have 20 chicken nuggets. 
So I would change that if I could. I would go back in time and tell my younger self in grade seven to kiss the girl. Or to tell her, you know, I love her. <laughs> I don't know. Now, we all know that we can't change the past, but we can make the most of our future. Yeah, you have the rest of your life ahead of you. It's never too late. You can have a life of meaning and purpose, one that's fulfilling. And this is the new life that God wants to lead you into. In this session, what we want to do is unpack a specific passage of scripture from Romans chapter 12. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything God has done for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, offer every part of your life to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Another translation puts it like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Paul, who wrote this, is saying, if you want to live this new life, you have to be willing to be different. And I think we all know that this isn't as easy as it sounds, because in just about every part of our lives, there's this pressure to conform to the world around us, to just blend into the crowd. There's a sense that we're supposed to like the same things, think the same way, and buy all the same stuff. But followers of Jesus are challenged to be different. That doesn't mean being weird, though. You don't have to talk in weird religious language or anything like that. What we're talking about is living a life that is shaped by our love for God and our love for others. When Paul says, do not conform, he's saying, live different. Make a clean break from the past and start fresh. I don't know about you, but I'm often nervous when it comes to change. Yeah, that explains your haircut. Wait, no, I've, I've changed my hair like three different times. I've had like three different hairstyles. That's like once every 15 years. <laughs> we used to argue so much. I know, man. It's so good. I just... Oh. Your hair hasn't really changed, so. So change can be hard. Maybe at some point you've thought about what it would look like to be a Christian. And perhaps that idea makes you a bit nervous because of what that could mean for your life. Yeah, especially if we think it'll mean giving up all the good parts of our lives. But God wants the best for your life. He asks us to leave behind the rubbish, the stuff that's not ultimately good for us. Some time ago, in London, England, there was an old woman who day by day walked the streets on which she lived. She was well known for carrying dozens of plastic bags full of trash everywhere she went. She was also notorious for pestering passers-by for money and would be very aggressive to anyone who refused her request for cash. As a result, she didn't make many friends. The day came when the old lady passed away and you would expect that her funeral would be a very small occasion. But surprisingly, a huge crowd gathered, all kinds of well-dressed relatives, top executives, not to mention lots and lots of lawyers. It turned out that while the woman was living on the streets, she had inherited a huge fortune, including a very luxurious apartment that was filled with dozens of extremely valuable paintings. But strangely, the woman had chosen to continue to live on the street, just her and her plastic bags full of trash. Apparently, 
She didn't want to leave behind the life she knew, and so she never got to enjoy her extraordinary inheritance. Often, we don't want to let go of the life we know, but God is asking you to leave behind the rubbish in your life so that you can take hold of all the good that He has in store for you. Personally, I feel like I go my own path and I don't really follow everyone's social norms. When I was younger, I felt like it, you know, you want to fit in, go with the crowd and with the cool kids. Having to look a certain way or, you know, dress or act a certain way. If anything, pressure forces me not to do something. I have to want to do it from within rather than other people forcing me. Uh, so I went to a traditional all-girls school. Everyone was expected to be good at science, maths, or anything scientific. Yeah, especially with like social media these days, you know, like what you wear, uh, people you associate with. I kind of did when I was younger, and I was trying to like impress people and look more like the same as everybody else, but I'm very much not that type of person anymore. A lot of the times we were with guys that, you know, doing a lot of illegal stuff, and it was very tough. Um, I did feel a bit pressured. I don't want to fit in. I, I like uniqueness. Cool, guys, just before you dive into discussions, I just want to help you out with this one a little bit because this week there's a, there is a pressure to, to fit in. You can, you can end up actually having like this almost positive peer pressure to feel like you've got to fit into the New Day thing. Like I'm somehow different if, if I don't stand up in the meeting or if I don't put my hands up in worship or if I don't. And actually that's, that's just as much of a pressure to fit in as any of the other ones that those guys have just been talking about on the video. And so I want you to, to really wrestle a little bit with this now, to, to, to ask those questions, to say, well, okay, actually, when those people, when, when people put their hands up in worship, is that genuine? Because if it is, if people are responding to something that is actually true and actually is, is a good thing, then actually that pressure to fit in might not be in, in some ways such a bad thing. Actually, it might be that there's a whole crowd of people, and sometimes following the crowd is, is good. You know, our culture increasingly in kind of hipster circles celebrates just being unique. And yet, after a little while, that becomes the norm. And so we can often find ourselves kind of wanting to go, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different. But, but sometimes actually just going, I'm not different just for different sake. I'm different because I'm, doing, I'm going for something that is true and important might just be something worth exploring. So when you talk about this question, it's not, I don't want us maybe just talking about stuff like, yeah, I feel pressure to wear the same clothes or I feel pressure to do this. I want you to, to go a bit further and talk about faith in this question. Okay, so this isn't kind of just a, a social, cultural question. This is a deeper heart question. Though. So I want you to, to go for that. Group leaders, feel free to dig deep. Go for it. Okay, guys, if you want to start just wrapping up that discussion. I know that maybe you won't have all answered all of those questions. You won't necessarily all have even had a chance to talk in your group. It might be that this week you sat there quietly the whole time and your group leader is thinking, can this person talk? That's okay. All right. If you've been in here and you've been quietly just listening to stuff, that's, that is absolutely fine. I want to just make it clear what we're going to do later. So just quieten down for a moment because this is important because I want you guys to know what you're responding to. At the end of Alpha, as the guys remember in yesterday's talk, they said at the end of Alpha, we get everyone to fill in a little card that says, are you a Christian, basically. There's two questions. One of them says, before starting New Day Alpha, I would have described myself as, 
And then you, you have some boxes to tick, and then there's a section where you can write something if you want to. What I'm going to ask is that we all fill that in. Wherever you're at, whether you are a delegate or a leader, if there's enough in your group, I want you to fill that in and say, before, before starting Alpha or before coming to New Day, I would have described myself as undecided or skeptical. I looked on it and was like, no, that can't be true. Or I would have described myself as a Christian. And then the next question says, after having done some of Alpha, I would describe myself as... And for you, that might be quite a significant change. Or it might actually be that you tick the same box. You tick Christian in the first one before Alpha, I would have said I was a Christian. And actually in the second one, you tick, I was a Christian or I am a Christian. But actually it might be that there's a deeper understanding of what that actually means. It might be that you are wanting to respond to actually recommit your life to God because you've now understood what that means a bit more. Okay, so we're going to do that a bit later. We're going to watch the rest of the video. There's another question. There's a bit more video. And then I'm going to come up and talk us through that last bit. So let's watch the screens. Something totally transformational happens when you begin a relationship with Jesus. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. What you've done in the past doesn't define you. You're a brand new person. You're forgiven, invited to leave the past behind and start fresh. The way to break from the past is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, give every part of your life to God. This includes our plans for the future, our money, how we treat people, and even the way we spend our time. One of the things that I've noticed is the moment someone puts their trust in Jesus, their priorities change. When you experience God's love, relationships become the most important thing. Your relationship with God and with people. And I think that's why for a lot of Christians, they make time every day to be alone with God, to pray, and to read their Bible. This is the best way to make a relationship with God a priority. So we give God our time. And then we also give him our ambitions. And these look different for each of us. Maybe your ambition is to have an important job, to drive a nice car, to have a big house, or to have tons of fans and followers. In the end though, these things won't lead to full life. As secondary ambitions, they might be okay. Ambition itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom. That's God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, make God your primary ambition. If your primary ambition is the kingdom of God, you might say, I want to make money to help eradicate disease and help people in need. Or you might say, I want to rise to a position of authority and influence so I can really make a difference to people's lives, a difference to our society, and a difference for God's kingdom. Another area of our lives that we give to God is the area of dating and sex. Now, growing up, I didn't hear sex talked about a lot at church which I was thankful for because I usually sat beside my parents. But if you think about it, the whole thing is God's idea. He came up with the idea of love and marriage, and he came up with the idea of sex. He's not surprised by it. He's not looking down from heaven saying, oh, oh no. No, he's the creator, and as the creator, he's saying, this is a gift, and here's how to use it. Yeah, when Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from the book of Genesis, which says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The word that Jesus used for one flesh suggests a gluing together, like, like a deep connection. And it's not just physically or biologically, but emotionally, spiritually, and socially. 
Yeah, I guess that's why there's no such thing as casual sex. We've all seen the hurt that's caused by broken relationships. And that's not what God wants for us. God loves us. And he doesn't want anyone to experience that kind of pain. Yeah, when Paul talks about this in the New Testament, he doesn't shame people. He just says, don't do this any longer. He doesn't say, you're all terrible people for doing this. He just says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. God forgives. We can always make a change. Every day can be a new start. Okay, let's go back to that passage we were looking at for moments. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That makes me think, what would it look like to offer our ears to God? What do you listen to? Do you listen to stuff that is negative or do you listen to things that are positive and encouraging? Then what about your eyes? You know, we can use our eyes to look in jealousy or lust, or we could look at people and say, that's a person who God loves. What about our hands? Do you use them to take or to serve, to hurt others or to show them kindness? Then what about our mouths, our words? You know, St. James writes about how our words are powerful for good and for evil. That means that we can use our words to bless people and build them up or hurt people and tear them down. We've all experienced this. Words are one of the simplest ways we can change someone's day and even their lives. And it's helpful to remember that this is a journey. It's long-term. Some things might change overnight, but most of the change we're talking about happens over time. No point in saying, I can do it without God. We're not meant to do it without Him. This is meant to be a relationship, partnership. Yeah, so I, I ended high school and I get a job at McDonald's and I like save all my money to go back to New Zealand to go for like a trip because I'm 18 and I could like, it's a legal age over there. I saved all my money and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna be a rock star. Like in New Zealand, go party, like drinks, like drugs, girls, anything. And I remember just like nights where I would be in my room, like this nice room, like king size bed, chandeliers, like all awesome. But uh, like the nights would come and like the girls would be gone. Like they'd be just me, you know, me and I guess God, right? And I'm like, okay, there's definitely more to life than this because like my life's like, I just want, I want, I want, I want, and you don't get anything. And uh, yeah, like after that, I went to camp and like I went kind of like wanting something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what that meant, but I went wanting something. Me and my boys, we got in this cabin all together and there's this like leader named Aiden and he like actually like all the other leaders like gave up on us and like no one, like everyone just thought we were punks. Like these guys are just Connors kind of thing. And Aiden, like, actually, like, lo- loved us, you know, and he like, actually cared about us. He meant something to us, and, like, we never felt that from anyone. And, like, one night, it was, like, a Wednesday night or something, and I remember just, you just felt that refreshment in your soul. It was, like, man, God's real. And I remember in my head, because, like, I didn't know how to connect God and love and stuff, and because I, I know the Bible says God is love. And then I was, like, okay, what if the love that Aiden showed us and that's, that's Jesus right there, right? Like him acting like that, that was Jesus. Man, I'm just like, come back from camp, and I'm like, all right, what do I do now? Like, my life's like totally changed. I have this new, like, family and this new destination. I don't know, this new mindset. Like, I totally love God, and I totally love Jesus, and I know he's everything to me now. And I really want to grow that relationship, right? Because I used to have no compassion kind of for other people. It's kind of just like really selfish. And as I grow my relationship with God, I like actually like you know sympathize with people and care about people and help people like I want to be like there for them kind of thing. I'd say there's always a path that he's trying to take you down 
whether you decide to choose that path is up to you. I think our purpose is inside us and we just have to kind of figure that out as we grow. And I think that was put there. There's certain times in my life where it feels that way and there's certain times in my life where it feels the complete opposite, so. Personally, I, I don't think he or she dies. I kind of feel sometimes it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it's kind of a frustrating thing, especially when like, ready, ready for that purpose to be shown. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, it's not revealed to me. I like that idea personally because I don't know everything. I mean, I don't really believe in God, so I don't think that he has a purpose in my life. I grew up as an only child. Um, I was the good church kid. At 18, like so many bad cliches, I rebelled. Uh, became uh, a nightclub promoter. And over the next 10 years, from uh, about 18 to 28, really climbed up New York's social ladder. At 28, uh, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. My girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, uh, I had a Rolex, I had a Labrador Retriever, I had a grand piano in my apartment in New York, and I was so unhappy. Something awakened in me, something, I, it was a realization maybe that I would, I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. There would never be enough girls, there'd never be enough drugs, there'd never be enough parties. I guess it was a fresh look, being able to take a look at faith again with fresh eyes and I became so compelled by uh, a Jesus who went around serving the poor, who went around looking after others and, and lived a life of integrity. You know, this is verse uh, in James that I came across that said, true religion is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So I was 0 for 2. Uh, not only had I done nothing for the poor in a decade, I literally polluted people for a living. I made this radical, uh, radical life move. I wound up selling all of my possessions. I joined this humanitarian mission, a group of medical doctors volunteering in West Africa, operating on a huge hospital ship, and I become their photojournalist. I saw a lot of stuff uh, over those two years, and I think the thing that struck me the most was people drinking dirty water. Half of the country didn't even have their most basic need for health met. Half the country didn't have clean water to drink. And when I landed back in New York, I was 30. And this was the issue that I felt so compelled to work on. Charity Water was definitely birthed out of my faith experience, of, of me returning back to Christ, to, um, to God again. And, it, you know, I believe that the idea of Charity Water is very close to God's heart. I believe the idea of a world where every single person drinks clean water is, is so fluid, is so in line with the heart of, of God, the heart of the Father. Uh, and, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do with, with my work. Over the last nine years, we've raised almost $200 million. Uh, we've helped over 5.5 uh, million people around the world get access to clean water. So we've made a little bit of a dent. Uh, and, and most importantly, the number of people without water has come down from a billion to 660 million. You know, if I look back on it, I think this idea of really trying to serve God through my work um, 
you know, it's changed everything in my life. But I think, you know, you can do that wherever you are, whether you're a banker, whether you're a florist, um, you can bring, you know, the, the kingdom values that you believe in into your work, into the way that you, you serve your customers, into the way that you lead uh, your team members, uh, into the way that you, um, you support others. St. Augustine said something that I love. He described serving God as perfect freedom. And I love that because our natural thinking suggests that it'd be the opposite. But what I found is the more I trust God with every area of my life, the more freedom I experience. But that doesn't mean it's easy. There's the cost of letting go of the bad stuff we hold on to, even though we know it's not ultimately good for us. Yeah, and then there's the cost of telling others that you're a Christian. I, I love talking about this. I'm just trying to get the right words for you to understand what I, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but I, some of the things I believe, it's, oh, how do I, okay, okay, okay. That we don't know how people will respond, but what it might cost is nothing compared to what we gain in Jesus. Here's the most important part. Romans says we do all of this in view of God's mercy. In other words, we do this in response to everything that God's done for us. We don't present our lives to God in order to receive his love. We give our lives to God in response to his love. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. He loves you so much, he died for you. And the most fitting response is to say, God, I give you everything. I trust you with everything. I present my life to you. And what Paul says is that when we do that, when we offer our lives to God, then we discover God's will for our lives, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We discover life and life in all of its fullness. We're gonna find a life worth living.